you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to go all the way from verse 2 to verse 10. And, and so if you don't have a copy of God's Word or an app or a tablet that, that has it, uh, no worries. Uh, the words are going to come up on the screen in just a few minutes. But, but I want to start a brand new series with you, and, and it's the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so we're going to walk through the book of 1 Thessalonians together over the last, next eight or, eight, eight or ten weeks somewhere in there. And we're going to look at this issue of the local church, the meaning of the local church, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, was written in a time where they're going through persecution, they're going through difficulty and some of those other things. And so, so I thought it would be appropriate uh, for us to walk through this, and we're going to look at several things. That church should be a place of encouragement and a place of hope and a place of joy and a place of community. It's a family where we encourage one another and some of those other things. And so one of the reasons that we walk through uh, books of the Bible, it, one, uh, is because they were written as a letter, and I think they should be preached as a letter. And it also keeps us uh, from skipping over the easy stuff of Scripture, and so we have to deal with all of Scripture. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is where we're, we're going to be together uh, today. And so the title of this message is, is Three Keys to a, a Dynamic Church, or Three Keys to a Healthy Church. However, however you want to phrase that, that's fine with me. But today we're going to look at just the keys of a healthy church as a dynamic church and so, um, and, and what that means. And so, so, I, so there's a lot of people, depending on, on age and some other things, that whenever you hear church, you can think several uh, different things. I mean, there's some people, especially when they're young, when they hear that phrase, we're going to, you know, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They feel like a church service is like forever, right? I mean, they just feel like it just goes on and on and on. And even though we have short services and, and short sermons here, relatively speaking, there's some people, right, that just think, especially when you're young. I mean, I realized this with our grandkids. A, a couple of months ago, our grandkids uh, told their mom, Brittany, that, Mama, we want to go to Pueblo. We want to hear Pop Pop preach. And so I was pretty excited about that. I was touched deeply that they care. And so, so we, we planned the weekend, and they came down. When they got into the foyer, they caved, and they decided that, that Pop Pop talks way too long, so we're going to children's ministry. <laughs> it, like, crushed me. I says, I'll even give you snacks over here like you get in children's ministry. I said, no, please don't talk so long. You talk so long. And so there's some, right? It's kind of a funny story, but I heard this story about this man that uh, he took his family to, to church, and it was a new church that they were visiting. And so they walk into the foyer, and it had one of these big foyers. And, and part of the foyer, they had this, this plaque on the wall with this list of, of names of men and women. And so the little boy looked at that list, looked at his dad and said, hey, daddy, what is, what is that for? What does that mean? And he goes, oh, son, that is the names of men and women in this church who have, who have, uh, uh, who have given their lives or died in the service. And he goes, huh, the 9 o'clock service or the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> and so there's some that just think when you look at this issue of church, uh, just, just, it, it's just one of those things that it just goes on forever. And so when you think of church, what do you think of? I mean, when you, because this is what Paul's writing about. Paul is writing to, to, to this church there in, in, in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica. It's First Thessalonians is a book. And he's writing to them and he's reaffirming to them or helping them to understand what church is or, or, or the focus of church. And I really had this thought, and it started a number of years ago when I was, I went and saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, and, and many of you have seen that movie, and, and it impacted my life greatly. 
I mean, it was pretty graphic about what Christ going to the cross and crucifixion and everything. And, and so I was thinking about this. What was my favorite scene? I mean, what was the most impactful scene for me? I mean, was it the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed and, and sweats of blood? And, and was, was, it, was it on the way to the cross? Was it the beatings? Was it the crucifixion? Was it when the, the tear fell, fell from heaven? I mean, what, what was it? The empty t- what, was it for, what was it for me? And I finally settled that in my mind. It was just a simple scene, but all of a sudden it went black, and then they put this scripture up. I thought it was brilliant. They put this scripture up. It's going to come up, and I'm going to read it. And so here's, here's what the scripture said in Isaiah 50, 53, verse 5. It says, but, but he was pierced. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punished for our peace uh, was on him, and we were healed by his wounds. So he's talking about salvation. See, without the word, the passion of the Christ would have, not, would have not had the same impact. Without the word, passion of the Christ would have just been another hero movie. It would have just been another like Braveheart or something like that. And so you move the word out of the movie, it no longer has the same meaning. The same is true in the church. You take the word out of the church, then it just becomes, it just becomes a social club. I mean, the, the word is what is central to the church because we sing the word, we memorize the word, we encourage each other with the word. The word has power. The word has meaning. When you look at this issue, a number of years ago, I was invited to, to go and, 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 and give a presentation or speak at the Lions Club. And listen, I'd never been to a Lions Club, really didn't know what it was about. But it was kind of interesting because it was a lot like a church service. I showed up to Lions Club, and they had greeters, and so they would greet you when you would come in. And then you, you found your seat, and they had someone that would stand up and, and give announcements and then um, and let you know what was going on. And then, then, then someone would stand up and, and give a little presentation, and they had a little choir. They sang a little song. And, and uh, then you had an opportunity to give some money to a community event that they're trying to do to better the community. Does that sound like anything to you? It sounds a little bit like church, right? Except the Lion of Judah wasn't there. And so church is this issue where you just unleash the Lion of Judah to where the word is what has meaning. The word is what sets us apart from from a rotary club, a lion's club, or any social club that are doing some good things. But church has eternal significance. When you look at this issue of church, so, so we come to church to connect with God. We come to church to hear from God. We come to church to worship and to encourage one another. I mean, when you look at this about just the, the, the miracles that Jesus did, a large majority of the miracles that Jesus did were not done in isolation. They were done in community. There is something, I'm just telling you, there is something that happens when God's people come together in worship. I've heard from many of you, right, that, that through COVID and, and because of some underlying health issues or you were concerned about getting sick or maybe you were sick and, and you would watch online and it didn't, have, it didn't have the same weight, right? It didn't have the same meaning. There is something about when we come together as a church and we feel the manifested presence of God in a church service. Because all of us, if we're honest, all of us may have some struggles and some problems that guess what? We can't fix. That only God can fix. And we live in a time to where it's like people are getting discouraged and people are getting angry. 
And with the economic problems and wars and rumors of wars and, and job situations and weird weather patterns and storms and, and people predicting the end of the world and illnesses and supply chain issues and staff shortages and some of those other things. fact is, the other day, and I won't tell you the story, but I went to a business in Pueblo, a small business, went to a business in Pueblo. The doors were locked, and there was a sign on the door that said, closed because Alex wouldn't come to church, because Alex wouldn't come to work today. And I thought, well, that's somebody with some issues. I mean, somebody, I mean, they're like calling out Alex in front of everybody. That's crazy. And so, so there's just some issues and there's some frustration. And then on top of that, people are getting tired and people are getting weary, right? I mean, we're just getting tired. And then you look at 1 Thessalonians and you realize that in the context of this, they're going through difficulty. They're going through persecution. They're going through great challenges in life. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul writes these words and he says, Therefore, encourage one another with what? Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with the word of God so you can either encourage someone or discourage someone, right? Have you ever been around someone? And they literally take the courage out of you because of their complaining, because of their criticism, that even when you think you've done something right, they're letting you know how you didn't do that right and you should have done that different. And they're like taking, they're sucking the courage out of you. Encourage comes from a, a, a theological, a Greek word, it's a compound word, in theos, in God, which simply means this, to courage some, encourage someone is to put courage in them, and the only way they get courage is in God. It is through his word, and so Paul is saying the way that we encourage one another is with the word. It's just with the word of God, and to do that, you have to know the word of God. And you have to read the Word of God, and you have to meditate on the Word of God. So, so in this church, Paul had planted this church in Thessalonica. Acts chapter 17, verses 1, to 10, 1 through 10, you can read the history about that. So he planted this church. This church explodes, and then all of a sudden, the Jews get angry. The Jews get angry because Paul is teaching them that you should have a higher allegiance to Jesus Christ than you have to Caesar. You should have a higher allegiance to Jesus Christ than you have to the government, in other words. And so the Jews became angry, and they threatened to kill Paul. As a result of that, Paul had to leave town. And Paul leaves town, and then in AD 51, he writes this letter back into the church because he had to leave the church in the hands of some inexperienced people, and he's concerned if the church would, 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 would make it. And, uh, and so verse two, he writes, in verse 2, he writes these words, and he says, We always thank God for all of you making mention of you constantly in our prayers. So now you know prayer is a part of church. We recall in the presence of God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, the reason we give, the reason we serve, the reason we serve one another, it's motivated by love. It's not a guilt. It's not because we have to. It's not because we made to. It's because we love one another and we care for one another. And so he goes on and he says, he says, he says, uh, motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now all of a sudden you realize that Paul looks back in on this church and he's encouraged. And he talks about this issue about hope. And we're going to talk about hope through this series that a, a church should be a place that you can find hope, right? I mean, look at Jesus, just a powerful scripture that Jesus said or was said of Jesus. And it said that he endured the cross because of the hope set before him the joy set before him, every one of us has to have something to look forward to. 
And so this is what this is what Paul is talking about. But Paul, I'm telling you, Paul carried a little bit of anxiety about this church. He didn't know if this church would make it, and but he learned in 2 Corinthians 11:28. Here's what the scripture says. It says, not to mention other things, there's a daily pressure on me. My concern, another word for that in the English language, is my anxiety or for all the for all the churches. You know what, Paul? He carried some anxiety for the church. Would the church make it? And Paul was encouraged when he looked back into the church, and it was not only that they made it, they were they were thriving. So I want to give you three things of a, of a dynamic church this morning, three things of a healthy church this morning. Just as we start this journey together in hope and love and confidence, you're going to see all of that through this series just over and over and over. The church should be a place to where we hear from him. We hear from his word. Maybe, maybe this morning, just as we start out walking through this, maybe, maybe all you need to hear today is, is just this, this one thing that God still speaks to each one of us individually. Right where you are in your circumstance, right where you are in your situation, we're going to see how that unfolds, that Paul just lays that out. So three, three characteristics, three dynamics of a healthy church. The first one is this, uh, people are hearing the word. That's what sets us apart from any social club and the good that they did or any nonprofit or anything like that. This is what sets us apart is that people are hearing God's word. A church should not become more and more like the world to try to attract the world into the church. A church should become more and more like Christ so people are drawn to it because they get something there that they can't get anywhere else. And so a dynamic church is where the, the, the word is focused and we, we is the focus and we sing the word, we meditate on the word, we pray the word, we preach the word, and we, we, we stake our lives on it. Here's, here's what Paul says, verse 4. This is crazy. He said, For we know, brothers and sisters, this is, there's so much theology I'm about ready to read to you, and we'll just touch on it. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. So we are motivated by love. We are motivated by your benefit. Remember, this group of people, they're going through tremendous stress and tremendous persecution, tremendous difficulty. And you know how Paul uh, encourages them? Hey, I need to let you know, you're loved by God and you're chosen by God. You're loved by God and you're chosen by God. Because isn't it true when we go through difficult times, when we go through hard times, when we go through times to where we don't have an answer, that sometimes we can wonder, God, do you really love me? God, do you really care for me? And all of a sudden, Paul steps into that situation and says, hey, I need to let you know. And I need to let you know some theology here. I need to let you know that you are not only loved by God, but God has chosen you. This morning, you need to hear that. You may need to hear those two things. God loves you, and God has chosen you. Oh, when did he choose you? What Jeremiah tells you, God chose us before the foundations of the world. God chose you before you were born. God chose you before you could perform for him, before you could do any good, or before you could do any bad. God knew you. God chose you. 
And you know what that means? And this is what Paul is trying to tell them, and I believe this is what Paul is trying to communicate to us. You know what that means? God loved you. God chose you. You are not an accident. You are not a zero. You have a purpose. You have a meaning. God God chose you before the foundations of the world. And God waits for you to choose him. He doesn't choose some people and not choose some others. He chooses everybody. And he waits for that moment for you to come to that place. That's why he goes in. God loved you. God chose you. And then he talks about the gospel. You know what the gospel is? That God sent his one and only son to this world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He was without sin. He went to the cross on our behalf. He was crucified. Our sins were placed on him. He was crucified. On the third day, he rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father now, and through him, we have salvation. And so he chose us, and we, we have to come to the place to where we choose him. It's a lot like, it's a lot like engagement, right? It's a lot like when, when a man and a woman, they date, they come to that place, so the man buys a ring and gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? I've chosen you. I want, to li- I want to spend the rest of my life with you. You have to say yes. You have to respond, right? Or it's not a relationship. It's not a marriage. This is the same thing. God has chose you, and you have to choose him. And so when, when this church was going through that, Paul just reminded them, I just need you to know, God loves you, God chose you. Before the foundation of the world, you have a meaning, you have a purpose. And as a result of that, we worship him and we honor him. And then he goes through some qualities just about church. And he used the term, the gospel came to us with what? With the power, with the Holy Spirit. And you just need to understand that when, when the word is preached or when we're singing the word or we're reading the word or we're meditating on the word, God is at work in your heart. It's the lion of Judah that is being unleashed. It's the word that is being unleashed. I mean, you ever have you ever come to church and we got tons of testimonies? I may share a few with you. You ever come to church and you're I mean you're you're struggling with something? Like you've had this conversation at home or you have this issue, and all of a sudden you come to church and the preacher talks about it, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did he know? I mean, this is like creepy. I mean, how did he know? We were just having this conversation at the kitchen table. We were just having this conversation in the car on the way to church. I mean, how, I mean, this, I mean, we have testimony after testimony after testimony in this church. A few years ago, one of my favorite, I'll tell you a couple of my favorite, but a few years ago, one of my favorite, we had a lady in our church, and she really wanted her husband to come to church. And so she, in her words, not mine, uh, because I talked to him after this whole deal, Uh, I wasn't aware of any of this was going on prior to this. And so she says, I was nagging my husband like every day, come to church, come to church, come to church. And so finally I looked at him and says, hey, listen, if you'll come to church with me once and you hate it and you never want to go back, I will never say another word. We just come once. And he's like, deal. And so they come. They come together and I preached on an issue that he's been dealing with for years. And they met me in the foyer, and, and I mean, he's looked at me, and he says, huh, he, he goes, shoot me straight. Did my wife text you? Did my wife call you? Did you change the whole sermon for me? 
And I, I go, no. I go, no. And I don't even know that your issue was, I said, that's kind of weird. I don't know if your issue was my focus of the sermon. And sometimes people have come and talked to me, and they said, this is what we got out of your message. I said, I didn't even preach that. <laughs> I, listen, I cannot apply the word to every one of your situations, but guess what? The Holy Spirit can. And that may creep some of you out because you may have come from a background where you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, like he's the, you know, he's the crazy uncle of the family or whatever. I mean, it just kind of creeps you out or you think things are going to get weird when the Holy Spirit show up and things don't get weird. It's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads and the Holy Spirit teaches. There's a lady in our church. She came up to me last night after the service. She says, I, I've never told you my story. Fifteen years ago, my husband died when I was pregnant, and we were believers, and he was a great man. He was a godly man. He was a great man, and, and I became angry, and I remember standing out on our ranch, and I cussed God, and I yet, how could you take him? I don't understand this. Why would you take my husband? He's a good man, and all of those things, and I went through a really, really difficult season, and then somebody from your church, she told me who, was going on a youth mission trip, and they, they're a friend of mine. And they sent me one of those letters from Fellowship of the Rockies. Would I be interested in supporting them for this mission trip? And it's like something happened when I read that letter. And, and it was like God says, you need to go back to church. And so I decided I'm going back to church. On my way to church, I'm thinking, what will I tell people when they ask me, why have you come? I was trying to prepare myself. And it was like I heard from God. And God said, just tell them you're starving. And you're starving for me. You're starving for God. She said, I show up. You know what your sermon title was? Hunger. You know the series that you were starting, the next series you were going to start? Lost and found. I'd been lost and now I'm found. And she said, that's, listen, that's what brought me back to church. I, we have, listen, we have so many stories. People have asked and said, hey, how do you know? That's what I used to tell. I mean, in, in the old days, we would just, we would just bug your, your bulletins so that when you took them home, we could hear your conversations. <laughs> But now, now we have a lot better uh, technology. We, we have online services, and so, you know, you guys can see me, and I can now see you. <laughs> I can see right into, right now, I can see right into your home. I mean, people probably covering up cameras right now, right? <laughs> it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not, not only the Holy Spirit, but it's with, it's with deep conviction. You ever heard someone preach, and you, it, it feels like a book report? It feels like just this educational, sterile thing, and you kind of wonder, do they really believe this stuff or not? Are they doing this because it's a job, because it's a profession, or is there any... Listen, God's Word must be preached with conviction, and it must be lived out in the life of the pastor, the life of the preacher, the life of the life group leader, or the Bible study teacher, or nobody's going to believe it, right? I mean, when you look at Paul, Paul says, you know what? I lived among you. Man, I, I, I was with you. And so it has to not only be preached with, with conviction, but with integrity. He says in that, that verse, he says, you know how we lived among you for your benefit. In other words, the reason that I did this is not for me, it's for you. We are motivated by love for one another. Here's another thing about just a healthy church, a dynamic church, is people are receiving it with joy. I mean, people are like receiving the word. This is crazy. Right? They're going through persecution. They're going through difficulty. Things don't make sense to them right now. 
and they're receiving the word, and they're not angry. They're receiving it with joy. See, I think joy should be a part of every church service. One thing that I'm thankful about for you and, and this church is you guys like laugh even at dumb jokes. And, and I mean, I, I can tell a sympathy laugh versus one that's really funny. I can tell. But there's joy here. I mean, I think a church should be a place of joy. I think a church should be a place of happiness. I think it's a, I think it's a bad testimony of a church or a Christian that doesn't have joy. And so Paul writes and he says, verse 6, he says, And you yourself became imitators of us and the Lord when, this is huge, in spite of persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. In other words, you, you received it. Listen, you received it with joy. I want to tell you a quick story and ask you to pray for something, but, but uh, I've always had a heart for, for missions. Many, many years ago, I had a friend, and my friend and I, we decided that the Lord wanted us to go into China, connect with the, 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 the house church there where it's outlawed and dangerous and everything, and spend a couple of, day, spend a couple of weeks there moving from house church to house church. And, and, um, and so I went to the elders and I said, hey, you know, this is what's on my heart. And so the elders, like, they told me, they says, well, have you told Karen? I go, no. I thought I'd get approval from you first. And <laughs> they're like, well, you need to go tell Karen. If Karen says yes, we'll pray about it. And so I'm like, that's ridiculous. I feel like a kid again, like, like go ask your father. You know, I'm not going to say, go ask your father. And if your father says yes, he's going to be in trouble. And so, uh, so anyway, that killed that whole thing. But one of the things COVID, listen, one of the things COVID did for us, it shrunk the world. We realized that we can use Zoom to do international training. So I'm working on a doctorate of, of ministry on a subject that's very important to me. And they have asked me, the seminary that I'm working through have asked me to connect with some international pastors and mentor them and help them. And one of them is Pastor Igor uh, in the Ukraine. He lives in, in Kiev, and his church is there. And so I know him. I mean, for, for the last six months, we've, we've connected over Zoom. I've met his wife, his oldest daughter, his two sons, and I've met some of his church members and some of the things. And so we connect and we pray together and help. And so as you know, that Russia is bearing down on, on the border of, of the Ukraine. And... Uh, Three days ago, or four days ago, he told me, it's the last conversation I've had with him. We haven't been able to connect. And so the last conversation I've had with him, he was relocating his, his family to Poland. And then Pastor Igor is headed back into the Ukraine. And he says, I'm expecting to lo lose my life if the Russian forces move in. And, and they believe it's going to happen in the middle of February. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it out loud, but I just did. And, and so... Uh, and... And this man, look, here, here's his picture uh, is going to come up. That's Pastor Igor, and, and that's his wife. And if you guys would remember to pray for them and all the Christians that are in the Ukraine. Sometimes we forget when we hear these, word, these words and wars and things in foreign countries, we forget that guess what? We have brothers and sisters in Christ there. We have the people in, 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 in the family of God there. And so this man... If you were to connect with him, if you were to talk with him, him and his wife have unbelievable joy. This is, this is what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, in spite of what you're going through, 
in spite of your persecution, isn't it something encouraging to you when you know someone's dealing with a really bad issue in their life that maybe it's a terminal illness or maybe it's, it's walking through a difficult family time or something like that, and they still have joy? Doesn't that do something to you? This is what Paul is talking about. He, he, he uses that, that phrase, in spite of severe, listen, in spite of what you're going through, you still have joy. In spite of what you're dealing with, you just, you just, you still, I, that's a test, that's part of our testimony. He goes on, verse 13, and he says, this is why we constantly thank God. Because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you welcome it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God. Which, is, which also works effectively in you who believe. And so the way that you receive the word with joy, you, you come with an expectation. You, I, every time I open up the Bible, I, I'm like, God, I'm expecting you to speak to me. Every time you come to church, God, I'm expecting you to speak to me. I don't know how and I don't know in what area, but God, I am coming today to hear you speak to me. And I'm going to engage and I'm going to worship and I'm going to be attentive to you and, 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 and understand the, 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 the moods of the service. There's a, there's a reason. I mean, you look at Jewish worship, and it said in Jewish worship, they, they entered his courts with what? With thanksgiving and praise. That's one of the reasons why we start out in worship here with a song that is a song of joy, a song of celebration, because how do you enter the Holy of Holies? How do you enter into his presence it's with thanksgiving and praise it is with gratitude i mean it does something to the heart of god and it does something to his people and then we pray for one another at the close of the service and so the last one is this it's just preaching the gospel to where you're giving an opportunity for people to get saved for people to choose him he goes on and says as a result you became an example to all the believers in in macedonia and achaia for the word of the lord rang out it's like it's like blasting a trumpet, a, a, an instrument that we could all hear it in the community, not only in Macedonia, but Achaia, but in every place that your faith has gone out. Therefore, we do not need to say anything. And so they came, they came to this place to where they believed that, guess what? You are loved by God. You are chosen by God. And we need to lead you to the place to where you're willing to accept him, to you're willing to choose him. It's this issue of the gospel. It's this issue that a healthy church is baptizing people, and people are coming. Listen, this weekend, uh, we're, we're baptizing. We baptized uh, two last night, and we're baptizing one more in the, in the 1030 service. We're continuing to baptize. Last night, I'll tell you this, and we'll close. Last night, baptism was really, really emotional to me on a, on a lot of levels. Fifteen years ago, we had this family come to our church, uh, Joe and Kanda Miziak. And, and Joe came to this church, and, and uh, we baptized. We baptized him and Kanda and his entire family. We baptized them. They got plugged into church, life group. Joe led a men's ministry. He worked in the, the youth ministry. He did everything. And then a few years ago, Joe felt this call. He goes to seminary. He was a school teacher, but he felt a call. He goes to seminary. He gets a master's degree. And then he, bec he becomes a pastor. And about two years ago, uh, he, they adopted some kids. And one of their children uh, accepted Christ, uh, had accepted Christ and wanted to follow him in believer's baptism. 
And so that child is in our church. And so Joe now pastors up in, in I always get the, Vana, thank you. I always, Vana. And so he pastors in Vana. And so Joe and his family drove down. And last night, Joe stood in this baptistry and baptized his adopted son on the anniversary when he was officially adopted. Standing in the baptistry with him was Pastor Eli. Pastor Eli came to our church a little bit after Joe. And Pastor Eli, uh, Joe, was Pastor Eli's first life group leader here at Fellowship of the Rockies, mentored him, meant a lot to him. And I'm sitting there looking at Joe and Eli, a product, both a product of this church, and now pastors. This is what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about this issue, that it's sharing the gospel by many of you in this room. That's your testimony. We have baptized well over 2,000 people in our history in 27 years. And many of you have this testimony that, guess what? This is the place where I met Christ. This is a place that I was baptized. It was motivated. It was motivated by love. They gave us a chance to choose him. And they loved us. And they cared about us. And this is the place. I mean, this is a place where God spoke to us. I mean, when I was talking to Joe, and he, they, they were driving back up because he was going to uh, preach this, this morning at his church in, in Vana. And, and so I was talking to him afterwards. And he said, you know, Charlie, there's just something about this place. It, it feels like home. Because this is a place where I met Christ. This is a place where God spoke to me in some of my deepest moments of my life. That's church. Church is a place to where we preach and we hear the word of God. We receive, listen, we receive it with joy. And then we're willing to share the gospel and invite other people into the kingdom. Would you, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And